David A. Price presents... folks welcome to marvel noise episode 425 on this episode we'll be covering every marvel issue number 425 right kevin oh x-man's here <laughs> no just kidding i'm your host steve raker with one too many eggnogs under my belt and with me are my momentarily horrified co-hosts wwx kevin and andrew the la rabbit hello it's a steal from kevin Marvel Noise is the semi-monthly podcast that's proudly sponsored by nobody. Thanks, as always, to Derek, Dr. Demonicus Coward, and his uh, devious, deliberate noise network that makes all of this here noise possible month after month. Uh, the 425s, they weren't really milestone issues. Like I did look at them. Like, you know, there was that Spidey crossing over with Nate Gray, X-Man, right? Yeah, quick, tell me, what's in Avengers 425? Ooh. Probably nothing good. <laughs> what about Millie the Model 425, Was there even Dave? one? There, and Cap, it was the beginning of Fighting Chance with the Dave Hoover art. That was, like, right at the end of Mark Ruinwald's run. The Hulk was in the Pantheon, and it was an oversized issue. It had, like, uh, it was the transition of artists between Gary Frank and Liam Sharp. And I think they each drew half the issue. Uh, uh, the X-Men was Chuck Austin's run. Oh. There is nothing. Yeah. Oh. I think... is, are you sure it's Chuck Austin? Yeah. Uncanny. It's not Joe Casey, which isn't much better. Uncanny X-Men, at least. Oh, yeah, maybe. So, it might be Chuck Austin. Better that we regroup for the 450s as far as the milestone issues go. <laughs> so... What do we have for this episode, True Believers? It's our last recording of the year, and our last before the rabbit goes searching for where Namor found Cap frozen in the ice. Yeah. Wait, I thought he went up north for that. <laughs> Is, that's, that's the funny thing. You go north, you end up south. It's the wormhole effect of the Arctic and Antarctic circles. It's our last recording of the year, which means it's time to create our year-end 2023 Coolometer. But it is customary that the host talks about like a book he read, that kind of thing, before we get to the main feature. So I'm going to use this as a transition that it will be my first entry on the Coolometer, and I gotta say, I need to get your opinions on what you think of this book, because I'm not sure if I'm uh, biased because of my own personal preferences, or biased because of the last series that came before, and the series that came before that, but I finally, not quite caught up, but read the first 11 issues of the new Ryan North Fantastic Four book. Oh, this, now this is one that's, uh, I have some similar thoughts about, I'm like, is it me? Is it not me? Because one thing I know is 
quality creators. And another thing I know is a lot of people like the book. So I have to sort of check myself. It's written by uh, Ryan North, as I said, uh, with art mostly by Ivan Coelho in a style not used to being seen it on the FF, but it works fine uh, enough. Not not my favorite depiction of the thing without a neck, and it's just like he looks like the uh, the little droid in the new Star Wars trilogy, the one with the, that's just like a ball on top of a ball, like a little snowman. BB-8? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He's got a BB-8 neck, which means there is none. Uh, Alex Ross covers, so the book looks... Uh, modernly painted, but retro in what Ross is going for with his covers. He's going for like old pulp style uh, covers. And it seems like the um, the take is that powers are fun. Uh, you can use them creatively. And science is fun. Uh, and that the, exec- uh, the FF are explorers. And and I buy into all of those um, mission statements, so to speak. Yeah, that all sounds good. It's weird in that, um, you know, it starts off. It starts off with the problem I had with the last Spider-Man title, which is Reed did something, and everybody's mad at the FF, and we don't know what he did, but it was something. But he had felt like he had to do it, but you know, he made the choice for everyone. So it's like a mini um, Cosmo version of the original sin that Reed did of bringing them into the space without the shielding and everything, right? And everyone's kind of mad and split up, and they they um, gather together, and, and the Baxter building is gone, and there's nothing but a crater left there. And it becomes revealed after a few issues that there was a, an annihilation wave um, invasion that came through the Fantastic Four's negative zone portal. And when things got out of hand, the FF are on the street and everything is close to the building where they came out of the portal. And even though the kids, both Reed's and Ben and Alicia's kids, are in the building... Um, they do some kind of time shunt thing that even though it will just be a blink of an instant to the inhabitants of the Baxter building, they're gone for a calendar year before they kind of come around the sun again and and the time waves like uh, Christopher Reeve flying backwards, you know, around the, around the earth and making it go backwards. Like he, it's that version of time, right? That there's like a, it's on like a circular axis and this time using the sun as its center, um, that they'll be back in a year and it'll be fine and they won't even know that they're gone and they won't, you know, have suffered for nothing. They won't even be hungry, that kind of thing. Um, But it frees up the FF and Ben and Alicia from the kids for a year so you can just get to some Fantastic Four um, really focusing on their relationship between each other and not getting too stuck on the fact that the FF are a family, even though they're a family. Which I thought was sort of a clever enough technique, but I'm not always a fan of the, you know, Peter Peter Parker did something and everyone's mad at him and we'll find out in a few months what it is. 
<laughs> At least they didn't make us wait too long. It was like four issues. Not 24 issues. There are... There's nice touches of humor throughout the book, I think. They uh, they even play upon things that just, I think, Ryan North has noticed and wants to convey. Um, like, they, they're on the road and they want to stop at a roadside rest stop and some of the choices one of the names of one of the choices of of eateries is heroes reborn but it's heroes spelt like some people pronounce gyros even though gyro is pronounced hero like a hero sandwich that a lot of people don't recognize that connection so to see it spelt gyros reborn i thought was pretty clever there's an ongoing bit about johnny and the hair's breath that he's able to control his flame, right? They use it over and over again, including once it's been established that it's an ongoing joke, like they can just look over at each other and say like, hair's breath, after all, you know, that kind of thing, uh, which I think is fun. There's bringing back a lot of old, fun, nostalgic things. Um, uh, some Magia crook from... John Byrne's second issue that was in a that was like a human torch solo story, the one where he's gotta go um uh, free the uh um an old friend of his or an old acquaintance that he barely knew who died but thought so much of him and he was wrongly convicted and he ended up going and exonerating him at the end of it. But there was a magia thug in there who he had an interaction with that we see again later and now he's like a kind of more like a white collar corporate criminal type and they because the Baxter building is gone and the FF are like on the road all they've got is the fantastic car so they don't have all of Reed's gadgets they don't have the lab all they have is whatever's on the fantastic car that they could maybe retrofit and do stuff with so with a lot of the science that Reed is using and the other characters give them credit he they, they each get put in situations where they got to think their way out which is kind of neat but with the FF stripped down equipment and vehicle wise the science that Reed's using is more theorizing things and explaining things that we can sort of all get around that you don't need to just have some doohickey that can do anything where the writer doesn't really know science and is just making the doohickey do the thing. And I think that's kind of fun too. They even do a callback for two issues uh, to like old Atlas era monsters. It, it even is a Atlas era monster from Tales to Astonish 23. I think the book is a lot of fun so far. They're, they're, Doing things that make me enjoy the Fantastic Four, um, feeling good about who they are and their relationship to each other, except for the thing of getting over what did Reed do and all that business. Um, there's a lot of time travel, a lot of science stuff explained where Reed's explaining it to the rest of the gang and therefore explaining it to us. But they go out of their way to throw in cool little nods here and there to little fun facts and things that just make the book seem fantastic. I'm enjoying it, even though I think that action and adventure-wise, there could be a whole lot more to it. Where am I going wrong, Kevin? I think it's more of where I'm going wrong. 
<laughs> no, it's me. It's you. <laughs> I mean, I'm also. I don't. I don't think it's a bad book. So, I'm trying to figure out. It's making me try to examine what I like about the Fantastic Four, or what what book I want to see or stories I want to read, and I'm like, then you start wondering like almost like oh are you am i like really boring you know they have to be in a headquarters and we have to do the same old thing over and over and i'm like well not really but i'm i'm trying to piece it together like i don't know what my exact issue is like i haven't enjoyed the stories it's just i don't know i guess i don't want to keep coming back month after month like Mm. I'm not a really thoroughly modern guy. Like, I don't like classic or science FF stuff. So I'm trying to figure out what exactly it is that's not super exciting. I'll tell you, the the issue that I thought would, would be a big deciding point is the issue that Dr. Doom shows up. I didn't think that was the greatest of issues. And I'm like, Whatever. if I'm not really grooving on a Dr. Doom story, then I'm probably not going to... I mean, there is a future one that I haven't read where it's like, oh, Dr. Doom was with a dinosaur or something. I'm like, that seems interesting, but I don't know. Well, Doom came back to to one-up Reed and save the kids. but And he t- tried to time travel back and like undo things in a way that would make the outcome come out that he wanted. And it just wouldn't work out none of the permutations work out which made him realize that he's probably already done this and this is already the best possible outcome where he is now the doom that he is like if i'm so smart i would have already done this this must already be the the right the best possible timeline outcome for me which i thought that was just a clever bit of theoretical science fun there the thing I like about them being not in their headquarters and stuff is um, it's not the status quo. It's the FF who are fantastic. It's making it, it, it have to be come from them. It's not the family unit. It's not the kids and the them. It's them just using their powers and their wits and their smarts. And, and, they are using their powers in different ways, which is cool. We've had Reed like extend his eyeball like a magnifying glass and, you know, uh, look at things up close and analyze things. And there was a thing where Reed in a, when, when the annihilation wave is all around them, he like shoots out fists from all over his body in like every direction, which is cool. Uh, There's a couple of unique uses of their powers that made me think a little bit more of, um, like what Warren Ellis did in Planetary with the Fantastic Four derivatives there. Um, I just think there's clever stuff, and I hope that this team stays on board enough that this clever stuff to come, that it kind of comes around to a more recognizable status quo. Um, Kevin's just missing the uh, Squirrel Girl footnotes. Uh, Squirrel Girl did make an appearance. She was in an issue. (laughs) It was just on someone's phone. But it was there. And and Andrew, Nicholas Scratch and the Salem 7 came back. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. 
and, and I they do acted, love the deep they, cuts. They but... acted like the only time they met each other was that first time too, which <laughs> I love that. That's the but, one I you remember. Know, I mean, Ryan North, like those squirrel girl footnotes were half the fun of that book. Yeah, there was See, a... I don't I don't exactly care for those guys, so there was a I mean, I guess I'm in, I'm into big ideas. I don't know, because I'm I'm thinking back, what what runs do I like? What do I like? I like Kirby. What do I like? I like Byrne, Simonson, Hickman. I mean, Wade I fell off of but came back to, so I'm like, I guess I like Wade. I'm, I'm like, what's my problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not that yet, that's for sure. If if it ever will be. But it is its yeah, own thing, I mean, which is... Um, I, I feel like it's a palate cleanser of the FF. There was he's also you know like the footnotes in Squirrel Girl he's also is playing around some with the medium, where they did a thing um, Alicia's with the group, and uh, there's a situation where, um, they need to come up with an idea, and she has the idea, but she has to explain it to them, and the issue is narrated by her like all the caption boxes are her, so get this Andrew it's like she. There's, there's a whole bunch of black panels with word balloons and she's explaining what she needs Sue to create with her force fields. So you're reading it and trying to imagine it and then you flip the page and you get to see what she created and how it was used, which I thought was really clever and it was a neat like sort of, you know, walk a mile in a blind person's shoes kind of a thing. And and uh, but it was cool to see her use her artistic sculpture sense of direction and shape to explain this thing. And you're reading it along, and you don't know that it's going to be revealed. For all you know, there's going to be six pages of black. Um, Heck, Burn did it with the white. Oh, with, yeah, right? I was going to say a, a proud <laughs> tradition of yeah. giving the art team a break. Although, yeah, I don't know who's buying those pages on the aftermarket. I guess. <laughs> but that's cool. I thought that was a cool thing. It's like we're getting, you know, we're getting it narrated by the blind person let's let's see it from her point of view as she's trying to convey this visual thing to the rest of the gang a formation if you will pun intended so i'm gonna put this book uh if you want to pull it down more to the uh, middle top of the um cooler meter i'm okay with that but i i need this thing towards the top quarter because i feel like um i feel like the ff are kind of back um, to something that's fun and uh, interesting without a lot of their status quo baggage. You know, I felt this kind of the same way about the slot run. I'm like, I kept on trying to plug into it and I couldn't completely do it. So it was definitely on my Kulu meter, like about halfway. I'm like, I tried and somehow it's just, I have another title just like that too. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, it's, not like I'm against done in ones and short stories. It's just like, I don't know. It's just not for me, I guess. Or maybe if I would like be reading it in like some epic collection or something, I'd be like, oh, this is a fun run. But reading it monthly, it's just like, I don't know. I read like over like two days, I read the first 10 issues. So I, I, I read it more like a chunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did read those slot it that slot series and i have yet to give my opinion of it uh on this here podcast but uh stay tuned sometime early in 2024 i'll uh pick that apart and try to figure out if 
my overall opinion is worth uh is really um valid given some of the high and low points throughout the series i'm gonna kind of try to look at it arc by arc i think oh there's a teaser yeah all right so i'm putting the ff towards the uh middle top quarter right on the border of the top quarter if that's all right with you kevin i mean do what you have to do super steve i like it fantastic four science is real <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I gotta put something way on the top. Well, I don't know if you're gonna top yourself, Kevin. You already have the hot take of the episode, which is you like the Kirby Fantastic (laughs) (laughs) for controversy. And burned. And burned. And Simonson. I I like the the sleeping celestial and all that nonsense. I'm like, give me more of that. I love that stuff. I don't know if that's a hot take, but probably not on the top of uh, everyone's list so <laughs> okay I mean I, I know for a few years you know people have been going back and forth about uh, the MCU and all that stuff uh, well we got we got some Guardians of the Galaxy action this year uh, the Marvels uh, Loki TV series uh, you know that Spider-Verse movie so uh, I, in my books that, that that's an incredible year I, I even liked the Ant-Man one that not everybody did. I thought that that was a fun one-off type adventure type movie that was a, almost like a Fantastic Four movie. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it, and so did uh, the family who went so uh, with me, uh, along with me. We saw it in the drive-in, but uh, it was... Uh, I, I know not everybody liked it, but I thought it was fun stuff. So yeah, yeah I'm with saw, you on that. You know, I actually did a... Uh, as well. That was a good venue for it. And I liked Loki season two. I thought was good. Yeah. I haven't watched what if season two yet. I wait for all of them to come out, but I have, I enjoyed the first one. So I think that'll be, I mean, the, the only down point for me, Kevin secret invasion, the, that one. Yeah. I didn't finish. Probably it. was uh, a I, bit I, of a low point for me, but other than that, and I like, it wasn't for me, but I liked that they have the kitty stuff, like the Spidey and his friends and the, yeah. I am group. I mean, that stuff isn't, for me but i'm glad they have age appropriate little kid stuff to get little kids hooked on the stuff well i was going to kind of get into some of that because to figure this out i actually did uh my ranking of uh post endgame movies so ant-man yeah was i enjoyed it quantum mania but it, it definitely went towards the bottom but then looking at it i'm like two of my top three Movies post Endgame are like they came out this year, so I'm like I'm like wow that's I, I like that like that is great like in my book I don't know I, I mean think, it, it def- I don't think you it like definitely the... seems like like they they'll uh, they're undercutting themselves a, a bit trying to like make money at both ends like oh you can watch it on Disney Plus right away but also go to the theater I'm like I actually have a movie factors bingo card that I made up for like. <laughs> why movies do well or don't do well but yeah it's kind of like you're you're trying to get as many of them as you can but you can't have it both ways so i mean something impacts one thing or the other so i mean for me like yeah secret invasion definitely the like a low point but i mean there's always something that that's that's going to go on the bottom i guess yeah i don't mind like, that's going to be less that style. interesting 
I don't mind them doing that style of show, you know, like like oh, yeah. like the Civil War movie was an espionage kind of a movie, and it's superhero movies can play with other genres. I I think it's I think that's appropriate. Um, yeah, and I think you didn't like the Spider Man movies as much as me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the funny thing is, I, I'm in this weird space. I've always been kind of been in this weird space with Spider Man, where I'm thinking that should be the easiest movie to make for real. And then it's like they had an easier time making Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor. Well, Thor for a time. I mean, <laughs> like those movies were way easier to make, and I'm like, I don't understand why you keep on. Like fumbling the ball with the Spider-Man movies, but obviously I'm like in the minority. Everyone loves the Spider-Man movies, so then when you get to these animated Spider-Man movies, like I, I enjoy these like Spider-Verse things more than the live-action things. So I don't think um, you're alone. I hear a lot of praise for the, like I like them fine. I'm waiting till they have the sequel. I'm like I don't need to watch something that ends on a cliffhanger. But I hear yeah. lots of people love the these Sony animated ones. Oh yeah, people they're their love favorite. Those, like I mean, you're not alone in that camp at all. No, no. But I mean, like stick Tobey Maguire on the screen, everyone's like, "Oh, we love Spider Man!" And look, he's gonna fight against the Green Goblin in his bad costume. And I'm like, "You like those nostalgic guys teaming up together? Great for you." But I guess I just didn't have any nostalgia for like that time. I get it, Kevin. I get it. When they omitted Nicholas Hammond, it just ruined the whole thing about the one true Spider-Man they couldn't bother to get back for the show. I mean, you know, some of us remember. He should have been somebody's Uncle Ben. All right, so uh, are we so okay. are we putting the whole MCU towards the top then? Or, uh, or did I, you want to break it down and, and stick Secret Invasion at the bottom and the other ones at the top? <laughs> Uh, we, we we can stick Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the Marvels, and the Spider-Verse movie, and Loki, pretty much as high as, at, right at the top, if you want. I got it at the top of my list. Yeah, let, let's just give the, let's just give the MCU its props, uh, when they've been yeah. coming under a lot of fire that I think is oddly, um, some sort of weird corporate propaganda, but they seem to really be talking down the superhero movies just before they come out. And then are like, oh, see? Um, but uh, I think that uh, there's some good stuff out there. It's just not uh, the brand new stuff. It's just not brand new like it was at first as far as bringing along all the uninitiated. Yeah, I just find it weird that some of these bad takes, it's like that That seems to, like, I, I guess I don't accept the, the premise that it was like all the way up going to Endgame and then all the way down yeah. post-Endgame. Like, I never thought all of those movies before Endgame were, were like, all really great movies. Like, Thor 2, I, we... Like, I've I, tried I think, Thor 2 a few yeah, times. Like, and, and it just... It's it's okay, but it's nothing... I wouldn't watch it... You know, if it wasn't part of the MCU, I would have never tried to watch it again. Uh, the whole beginning yeah, I, with I, I Immigrant don't... Song, though, is pretty awesome. <laughs> He's fighting and they're doing the zip playing the Zeppelin tune. It's like, yeah, that's great. No, that's uh, so, Thor three. That's Thor two. Thor three is the Ragnarok one. Thor right? two is the Dark World. Where yeah. He fights the elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it starts with the big. Oh, does ice. it start with that? Because yeah. I know the yeah. other one does. Because <laughs> it's got when he's fighting uh, Surger or whatever. They play the do 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 do. I three, forgot. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the end. Yeah, when he gets all jacked up at the end. Right, yeah. right, right. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Thor, they, Thor but, 2, The Dark World, I thought was ironic, at least on Disney+. Plus. Very dark on the screen as well. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, about the with the mo- movies. They started off with that amazing crossover thing of doing the Starlin stuff, trying to do their version of it. And it wowed all of the people who had never weren't involved in comics and had never seen such a thing right and it was just so gangbusters that then it was like that's all they wanted but we know as comic fans how quickly do you start hating when everything's a crossover so i so i you know the fact that they got away from that and didn't immediately get into this other grand crossover build up i think was actually a good thing i i I, i'll die on the hill that i still say the trivializing death this early in the MCU was a mistake because look how jaded we've all been as comic readers now. I mean, sure. But Tony Stark came back. Oh my God, Andrew spoilers. And and so their decision to do that pretty early in this thing, they sort of blew that chip and there's no getting it back. And I would have liked, that would have been something to keep in your back pocket. So when it's flailing, then you roll that, you know, like you save something. I mean, maybe they felt like, look, this thing might flop. We got to put everything on the table. Sometimes I feel like if you can save those desperation moves for your back pocket, then when you need it and things are flagging, oh, you roll that out. And then everyone's like, what? I thought he was dead. <laughs> All right, Andrew, give us a, give us something for the meter. All right. I'm going to go uh, top of the food chain. I really appreciated this that I thought they would never do related to Kevin's thing. Uh-oh. I picked up WandaVision on Blu-ray. Oh, They've started to release physical copies of some of the media. And look, I don't buy as many. We used to buy tons of Blu-ray and I don't buy as many because, you know, I need room for comics and toys and all that. <laughs> but I do. I'm realizing in this world of streaming, like things come and go and things you thought, oh, yeah. they own this thing and then they'll just take it away for yeah. whatever. So I'm really excited that we can now own these. I mean, you can always get bootlegs or whatever, but I'm glad to actually have this, um, you know, and it's forever. And if they, for whatever reason, Disney Plus pulls stuff or things move or it gets too expensive or whatever, we have a copy of it. So I'm hoping they do this with more of their Disney Plus MCU shows and whatever. And so that way, those of you, like I, we, my wife and I really like WandaVision. So it's cool to have a copy of it forever. So yeah, we're past please do more of now. this. <laughs> and because I thought they might not do, because, you know, they're always, it's the whole, well, we deal with this in comics too, that it'll never be in print sort of thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but there we know most of those publishers will put it out <laughs> print. We're here. I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm, uh, sold. I bought a copy. So, please, Marvel, continue. Nice. All right, I'm gonna. I got one for the bottom of the meter. Whoa, bottom shooter. The those two Captain America books that ended up their run, the Lansing um, Kelly uh, uh, writing team on on Cap. I'm enjoying them on Guardians. Um, I like this whole Guardians of Groot space thing. Um, but this whole Bucky going bad, and then there was a microchip and Cap's shield all along, even though this is like the third version of that shield, and it's been recreated by Odin and everything else um, that's always been there, this microchip that leads to this whole Illuminati thing. That was stupid. 
was a, it was a that was those were not not entertaining books even though they had a couple of entertaining moments or fights or scenes within it uh, it's still a comic book there's going to be some good parts but that was not a good cap run even though i liked the idea of two cap books um so hoping for better with this uh jms one so even though it gave us a thunderbolt steve you're not gonna <laughs> that gives it a slight little bonus to it nope bottom of the barrel <laughs> i have a quick one for the bottom of the barrel sort of springing off what i was just talking about with my thing um I mean, it, it seems sometimes it, it can be a bit weird, like Marvel's, like it, it, they're on the top of the heap with the with the movies. So, you know, defending them is uh, sometimes a little weird. Like it, you're going to get a lot of a lot of attention when you're when you're on the when you're on the top. But uh, you know, the, the I'll put on the on the bottom the the people that are looking for and going out of their way to celebrate every speed bump and trouble a comic book TV series or movie has. Uh, those people put those people on the bottom. Uh, how how am I gonna? How's this gonna appear on the coolometer, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> uh trolls, troll, comic trolls. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just put that. Put comic trolls on the bottom. You got it. <laughs> well, if we're going with the bottom of the barrel, uh, then I, as my tradition, have to put myself on the list. As Andy really um, passed on all the events this year, gang war and carnage and sins of sinister. And, um, you know, normally I'm a sucker for buying a bunch of really unnecessary tie-ins <laughs> and <laughs> helping out the old Disney corporation. But for some reason, this year ended up being one that, uh, yeah, they didn't lure me in with some kind of crazy crossover in a million different ways i should have you know hey you need to buy these one shots and dark this, droids that, andrew thing. can i interest you in dark droids oh, oh i have a separate i'm i'm putting star wars is one of my pluses i have a whole separate <laughs> that's a that's been a plus i don't i don't can yes that's a event but i consider the star wars the planet of the apes the alien the predator those are separate things on my list which mm -hmm. i guess maybe isn't fair i mean it was no, miracle man then i was like should miracle man be in those like not marvel properties that aren't marvel properties sort of <laughs> thing or does that belong squarely in the yeah we're talking marvel that's the one where i didn't know I, but I, I really like the miracle man um it's not oh quite over um it's actually become more issues but this miracle man in the silver age thing where they're adding these pages and redrawing the book and stuff. This is, it's a really good book. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it, it wasn't a knock on the quality. It was more just a question of mentally. Am I going to yeah. loop that into the main Marvel canon? Or yeah. is it, like I said, siloed off with the Planet of the Apes and the Alien and the Predator, which I'm all glad to see, although they're not books for me. For some reason, I was never, I mean, I've bought some of all those franchises, but I was never like, a big into that but star wars i'm every time i'm in the store i see them i buy them unfortunately they have like three or four a week i feel that's like. <laughs> yeah so but it's great I, I i continue to enjoy month after month the regular star wars title and darth vader 
But everything else has really felt tertiary to me, especially in this latest iteration where they've gone to after Empire Strikes Back time. And um, it just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it feels like it's dragging out too long or if it's, uh, I don't know, the, the, the dark droids, the all, all these little mini events and crossover things, and I've lost interest in the Afra book and um I don't I'm I'm pretty much down to Star Wars and Darth Vader, Andrew. Well that's smart. Saving saving a lot of money at least. I'm getting hammered with this thing. I don't it's hard. The the War of the Bounty Hunters thing or whatever it was called. That's was really was really I really enjoyed that and that was fun. It was a dumb event where I'm running around buying all kinds of weird books that like that's what you want in a Per, in an event, one where you feel like, oh, it's fun to go buy all this dumb crossover books and everything. But yeah, I I will say I'm a bit behind on Star Wars, so they are piling up, and I probably need to sit down and read them. But I'm I'm in. I think they're doing good. I do. I get what you're feeling. There is, especially when I go to the store, and there's just so many of them. I'm like, do I need all of these books? <laughs> Can I put a few back, maybe? But yeah. So, yeah, you can put me for not being in the regular events. Uh, I'm sure you guys can tell me, what did I miss on Gang War? Or, I don't, uh, Kevin, you like Sinister? Just started. Sinister, right? I, I, I fell behind on Spider-Man. Because, uh, I don't know. I don't think I have a good reason. It's just, sometimes they put out an issue that's a lot of pages. And, I, and then I'm like, I'll just, I'll just read that next week. I don't think it's the greatest of runs, so uh, I'm still a few issues behind, so I can't really tell about Gang War. Yeah, I'm waiting for Gang War to get more into it before I uh, start reading it, because I have a feeling it's going to go quick. <laughs> well, what about yeah. the, the Summer of Symbiotes? Yeah, that's right. You guys uh, must have read that. Yeah, it's not the same when Andy doesn't jump into an event and buy yeah. all kinds of dumb books. As a matter of fact, did... Venom post King and Black, I'm giving a thumbs down to, even though the creative team is a solid one. I mean, I don't really have any problems with Black Widow having a symbiote for a story for whatever reason. Like, odd choice, but, uh, you know. Hmm. All right. I, what was good, though is uh, Sins of Sinister. You like that one. That 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 was good, but you like there was we already had quality X-Men creators all around. And then you start adding all these like weird future projections and all that other meaty goodness where Sinister's like trying to ascend to godhood and he's resetting the timeline and that was madness. How about the blowing up of the Xbooks that happened after that? Where do we put that on the on the on the cool Okay. This, this is where I need to separate things. I need to put Hellfire Gala in its own category, um, lower, way lower on the list. Because that was that was one of the shakiest um I was like, it's already time for another Hellfire Gala? Like are they having every one of these every six or seven months now or what? Like well, I thought they just had them at San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> a year for our time, but for Marvel time, uh, yeah, it's going to be like every few months. But you know, we I, as comic book readers, you kind of just ignore these things because 
it'll drive you insane. And you're not moving in real time. So, but th that was one of the shakiest, okay, this is where the story is. And this is where the story we want it to be. And that somehow string it along and make the story go there. And I'm like, I don't know if you needed more finesse or you just made the Krakoa stuff so good that we could have just lived there forever. And maybe we still will get some of those stories going on later on. But that, that was a that was a shaky one shot. And it's still like, it's, it's funny, like, remember I said, oh, it's not done yet. Yeah, like five months into like 2024, uh, Krakow is still going on. <laughs> so I guess at some point, maybe in, in San Diego Comic-Con next year, uh, we'll, we'll be in something else. More than likely. All right. I've yeah, got... I would put the, the regular X-Men books... Uh, We'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, get to it. We're there. Okay. We just talked I, I about it. Put that, I would put that in the top half because, uh, like, you have uh, Gillen, you have uh, Dugan, you have um, Al Ewing there, um, and X-Men Red with all those... Um, characters you never heard of? Yeah, all those the <laughs> hundreds of weirdo characters that you, you wouldn't find anywhere... Uh, I mean, maybe you would find them in a manga or 20,000 AD, but I am totally there for him introducing all these weirdos and then having massive wars and politics and everything with these crazy guys. Like, I find that entertaining, but I know that's not for everyone. So I've got for near the top of the list, the buildup to Jason Aaron's Avengers finale. I know we're well into the next run here, but... The year began with this big buildup to all that was happening there. Yeah. But the actual Avengers finale, I would put more towards the middle of the list. <laughs> I think that's fair. Andrew? Well, I assure you I haven't peaked, but I have a I I can steal two big events that I better at the top of Kevin's list. Sight oh. unseen. You ready? Yes. You ready, Kevin? I know these are on your list as big, important <laughs> events. The introduction of Spider-Boy, which <laughs> I know how important he was. Oh, I forgot about Spider-Boy. <laughs> and second of all, the big news that we've been dancing around, that um, the death of Miss Marvel. I mean, huge character like oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> and why do you go there? <laughs> Hey, that uh, death lasted a month, okay? I'm pretty sure. Wait, was the was her reintroduction as a mutant the next issue or something? I, <laughs> I mean, so that's Kevin, you had those two on, on your list up high, right? They, those were not on my list at all. I guess I didn't uh, blank them out, and I didn't want to put them on the list. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I like the Marvel definition of like, Hey, we have this the simple origin, but since we don't feel like using it anymore, let's just add another layer on top of the layer on top of the layer. And I'm like, Ugh. remember when we were trying to not have everybody be a mutant, and we tried to make everybody be an inhuman? Well, guess what? We're back to making everybody a mutant. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> forget those inhumans. I mean, the, the no one's gonna remember the inhuman thing, anyways. So it's it was just uh, like that's some all weird... I knew about her. 
She has big puffy fists and she was an inhuman. That's kind of all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> the Terrigen Mist, Kevin. The Terrigen Mist. It blew right I mean, through town. The... They couldn't get it to go anywhere. You don't even have to say inhuman. You just go, oh, some weird mist came around. Okay. No was, one remembers anything else, but just in, some weird, like, it was fine. It was in the water. <laughs> uh, Andrew, let's have another. All right. Well, um, uh, hoping, I think things have turned a corner. I want to talk, touch on the game's corner, because I got Midnight Suns oh, as a Christmas all right. gift. So I spent all of Christmas Day having the Xbox install it because I love modern games. Like you get the game and you're like, well, I can play this in six hours when it's done doing whatever it does. Because wow. I got the I got a digital one. So yeah. just the code and you put yeah. it. But it's just so funny that I mean, I mean, look, I haven't started it yet, but I just love the six. But I am excited. Uh, I don't have the new PlayStation, so I didn't play Spider-Man 2. But whenever I get that, I'll play it. Um, plus, Marvel has that RPG, which I haven't played yet, the, the paper one, the Marvel Multiverse. But I used to love the old Marvel RPG from the 80s. So I feel like the games are are turning around. I got a lot of hope for Midnight Suns. I know, Steve, you have that one. I do, but I've only done the um, like tutorial level so far. Mm. So games are trending up Fingers crossed I was supposed to get it last year But because I have an older system It took forever for them to release The backwards compatible one By then I was like I just save it for Christmas And Santa brought it to me So uh, you know now I just have to wait If there's any updates That'll be another three hours Yeah, (laughs) I think they cancelled mine People don't understand how video games used to be immediate gratification. You jam the thing in the machine and there you go. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I am excited to start it. So fingers crossed video games in my future. For the top uh, near the top of the list, I got to say it's like been the year of uh, Jed McKay writing a lot of good books for Marvel. I've continued to enjoy his Moon Knight. Even though they're doing the whole Moon Knight dies, it's still it's been a good read <laughs> forever. It's been a good book. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, Doctor Strange restored. I really in, have enjoyed that book with Clea being around, and it's felt real Doctor Strangey, and that's been fun. And although I haven't gotten enough issues into it to really uh, get a sense of being able to judge the run, um, I'm enjoying his Avengers run enough. And those are three big books that he's writing, and they're all solid. Yeah, if his Avengers run would have been, like, top of the stack reading for me, I probably... He might have been, like, a contender if I was doing, like, a top um, top writer type of thing. But I, I don't feel like his Avengers is as, as, as good as his other books, so... It might just be me. I don't know. So is you. Like I guess all his other stuff that I've enjoyed, I guess is his. It's all single characters. So I don't know if that's the secret sauce or not. But he makes each of those single character books ensemble books, right? Like yeah, the Moon Knight he does, became so. like the the um, uh, 
Blood Moon or whatever the other Moon Knight guy is, and the Tigra and the Eight Ball guy and the vampire yeah. receptionist. So he got his little Scooby gang. And then Doctor Strange has his, you know, Wong's there, Clea's there. So it's not, it's a solo book, but it's not really a solo book. Um, so in that respect, um, I like what he's, I, I like that he's made those solo books not solo books, but like you, uh, I need to give the Avengers more time and see what it becomes. Yeah. Well, I'll give you another top shooter. I mean, you can probably guess what this is going to be, but uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur holding down the cartoon slot for Marvel. I mean, technically, What If has is having daily episodes, but I mean, I haven't seen them all. I saw the first one. And uh, the other really neat thing is uh, the Beyonder shows up in Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur too, and has uh, that's a lot of craziness too. <laughs> Did you get I the mean, comic I, I, tie-in? Didn't they do the free? Was it free com? They had some kind of comic tie-in for Moon Girl, I thought. I think they did some one shots or mini series, yeah. but I can't really speak to that. But the cartoon has just this wonderful, like graffiti, Jim Ma food, 60s Spider Man craziness style that I really enjoy. So, really good cartoon. I got a little question for you guys. I was coming, I think I reviewed one of them on the show, but I was. Like the what if dark, I know they like having new <laughs> number ones all the time, but I really think if they had made that like a six issue, whatever, it would have been more on my radar Agreed. rather than I just, so I bought the one I saw, but it's not like I'm, I didn't realize they had a whole bunch of them and it had some running thing. Cause it's just by having constantly doing the one shots, the disadvantage is you don't think to be like, Oh, this is link. Cause I think. I might have bought more of them, but you know, I just thought it's oh, they do these occasional what if things and yep. missed it. So. Yeah, agree. What if that's a sales thing? Like they'll say, oh, a one shot will sell better, but then yep, gotta be. Like someone could technically order the one shots in a declining manner, in the same way they order like a a limited series or something. So I don't know. There's got to be like enough people out there who have pull lists that are any number one. Yeah, that 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 the industry's taking advantage of, right? That it's just that, that yeah. they just must sell so much more, because um, they've been doing that with what ifs for the last twenty years, you know, since the yeah. uh, uh, Bill Genius yeah. times, and having it just be one, all number ones, and uh, I I don't like that. I, I think a few years ago they did one that was a number of issues though together, right? Like they were, or may, I, maybe I'm mistaken it, but I no, I, there, I, I like that idea, was, Andrew. I just had missed it until I was going through. The year in review, I was like, "Wait, there were a lot of like, yeah." How do you know there were? How do you know there were six versus five? You know, <laughs> yeah. So I just I and because I don't you know pre-order anything, it makes it harder. I miss things like that. But like you say, they must do the math and it works. I was just like, yeah. I wonder if they'd try it just to see. Maybe they'd be surprised. It's something like that that has a kind of, it's a niche title anyway. You know, it's not captain america or avengers or something with a direct movie i mean they have the tv show but i think it's not anybody looking at it isn't going to mistake it for the tv show i don't think all right i've got a bottom dweller for you and i know i've mentioned on the show already that i'm not jamming on it too much is the uh, most recent 
Uh, although I think it just finished it, uh, this past week, the most recent Ghost Rider book written by Benjamin Percy. I uh, not did not dig it at all. I felt like huh. there were no likable characters in it, uh, including Johnny uh, Blaze, the Ghost Rider himself, and it was more about forcing this other character uh, down our throat. Um, it seemed like it was her book, and uh, Blaze was just there to fit into the, her story. I know there was some um, buzz about the Ghost Rider Wolverine stuff towards the end of the year. Was that the end of the year? Mid-year? Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll throw another middle uh, one in there. Give me a middle rung. <laughs> Like Fantastic Four, I mean, I tried the um, Incredible Hulk, hmm. and I, I can't. Same thing with Fantastic Four. I can't say it was a bad comic. I just gonna completely plug into that one. Like it had some of those Immortal Hulk vibes, mm. and then other vibes, but uh, I like ultimately that... did not stick with it. I I like that it's got some of those Immortal Hulk vibes for those who liked Immortal Hulk, but it's not trying to be derivative of that book. Yeah. Um, and I like that he's using, I don't know how long this initial premise lasts, or if it's going to be for the whole title and it's going to be a short book or what, but I like the premise of that um, all these monsters are bringing uh, drawn to the Hulk, are being called forth to um, assimilate the Hulk. It gives the writer a way to have a him fight a bunch of monsters without it having to go to the well of the Hulk's pretty poor rogues gallery. And I think it's the book for Nick Klein, whose art I don't always like, yeah. but I've liked it on that book. I think um, yeah, it was good. Banner looks squirrely and uh, emaciated and and. Um, agitated and paranoid and the Hulk looks crazy and designing different monsters um, sometimes two per issue uh, I, I think has um, highlighted what some of Klein's um, you know sensibilities are you're, you're not you're not wrong when I'm thinking about the Hulk's rogues gallery Steve boy <laughs> that's one I mean I like Metal Master for Steve Ditko, but <laughs> never the leader I always thought was kind of, I like his big pink creatures, but himself, I always felt kind of flat. Yep. Yeah. I mean, other than Rick Jones, I can't think of too many nemesis of the Hulk that have had the staying power. <laughs> well, not the constrictor. Uh, I'm I mean, sorry. He's a, power man. he's a power man. Iron fist villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not Moonstone. <laughs> not She's a Rhino. cap villain. Moonstone's yeah. a cat balance. Did she kill Jarella? <laughs> Alright. Uh, top of the list. Quick one, but it's an important one. Finally, after all these years of waiting, editors have come and go, production people have come and go, lawyers have come and go, editors and chiefs have come and go, but we finally, finally 
are reprinting ROM and Micronauts (laughs) from the late 70s and early 80s. I like that, Steve. I I have a related, but this one, I feel like they need to do better because I feel like the distinguished competition is having their lunch on those facsimiles. I always buy the distinguished competition ones. I like their paper, the presentation. I mean, part of it is it's a lot of golden age issues that I'm never going to get. Like those are books that are even in completely thrash condition aren't, but I feel like they've, the packaging is so much nicer on those books than the Marvel ones, which I just feel are on their boring paper and boring presentation. I mean, I still buy a bunch of them, but I like, man, steal from the steal. Look across this for once as a Marvel guy. I got to say DC is doing that thing. Right. So I'm seeing a ton of these facsimile books in each um, previews though uh, of the the Marvel ones. What's lacking about the Marvel ones? Is it the paper quality and stuff? It's the I feel like the paper and the stock, and they right. don't feel like I'm reading the other ones. And now you know the DC. Obviously, the price isn't the same, and it's not. But it really feels like an older comic when I pick them up. And they're also picking like big thick books because you know those Golden Age books. It always had nine hundred pages and. It's just a lot of complete nonsense in there, too. I mean, yeah, I, have to get I don't know. I just really Marvel. think that that is a nice, nicely put together when I look at the Marvel one. And I think I went on this on the show about how for the newer Marvel ones, I think they actually need to do more to distinguish it from. Oh, yeah. Because that X-23 one looks like I'm sure people have sold it to people as the original because it's hard to tell at a quick glance that it's a facsimile. That I what don't about like. the Edge of Spider-Verse with the first Spider-Gwen first appearance? Yeah, that's another. Some of these I feel like they could. I mean, you'll notice like, oh, the barcode's different. or what, But it, the to the different. Yeah, that's sometimes the only difference. <laughs> it's hard to quickly pick up where, you know, no one. Um, this first Sensation Comics number one. No one's thinking that's the real. <laughs> but it feels that way to me. So that's the part where I would like. Uh, but uh, on the other hand. I am buying more of the those from them than I thought I would. And I feel silly. I'm like paying eight bucks for some old comic, but it's really, they're really neat artifacts, the ads and yeah. everything. And yeah. So do better Marvel, pick that up. And Marvel could dip into their older stuff and do pay more and the old torch and the destroyer and angel and mm. all their old properties in that format too. Yeah, I just don't know how much. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the the DC's old properties are like, oh, it's Batman. It's just like, like, like you're not going to put the Destroyer or the Angel up against him. Yeah, because they'd win, and then DC would be embarrassed when Batman loses. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a a middle run. I'm going to shoot towards the bottom. All right. Uh, the wonky pricing, Ugh. where you look at the amount of pages, <laughs> and you look at the price point, and I have no clue what is going on. I mean, I don't think they would ever tell us, like, uh, oh, we brought Hickman back, and we pay him an extra $2, or we just pocket the money to ourselves. Yeah. I have no idea what is going on why a limited series or why this is more in one month and then that other title is less 
surge it's, pricing, it's, Kevin. Surge pricing. I feel it's it's like it's it's like the early '90s where where you would have the newsstand, you'd have the comic shop, and then one would have black paper or the load book is subsidizing the higher book or whatever. I have no idea what they're doing. Yep, five dollar regular monthly comics is ridiculous, though. It is. A middle rung for me was the ultimate invasion event because I mean the creative team was fine and um, you know I, I just the longer we go from the ultimate universe the more I'm happy that it ha- was gone um, and, wow. and, and forgotten <laughs> Wow! Um, but I liked seeing the whole thing of what was going to happen with the maker story in our universe and it was fun to see the maker get his so i'm, I'm putting that as a middle rung ultimate invasion that's fair steve middle rung is fair and with the <laughs> same writer um i'm gonna put his next and current uh event book or project uh right there in that middle rung of this whole gods thing it's uh, it's written well, it's delivered well, but do I care? Does it matter? Would it, they, it seemed like they were um, pushing it as being something that it maybe isn't, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure really what, we, what we've got here. Pigman's yeah. name still gets me to buy the book, but they just sit there, <laughs> and at $75 a issue price or whatever it is it's a a hard bite but i am a fan of hickman so he is i am paying the hickman tax i guess yeah Yeah. i mean i'll just buy gods just because it's different than the other stuff i'm reading i mean just if he's gonna swing and do and maybe do something different like that's just worth checking it out in by itself pretty much i mean yeah, I still don't know what to make of it, though. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Maybe it'll end up on the list next year, and we'll be like, wow, that was... I didn't see that coming. Top of the list. We'll see. Although, while I'm turning this into DC noise, I, I enjoyed, and I think it's more nostalgia than anything, the uh, Levitz-Davis Avengers book that was oh, kind yeah. of fun. Absolutely. It was like a weird, like, Paul Levitz writing the event. <laughs> that idea alone, like, even if I thought the book was terrible, like, I would have liked that approach. Anyway, I thought that was a smart move to get him over there, you know, solid, you know, put him with a top creator as well, do a little mini about the Avenger. What's not to like, you know? Yeah, you had me at Alan Davis. I mean, for real. For real. And Paul Levitz, like, for a guy of my vintage... Like he is DC for a significant, yeah, huge chunk of time. So to, it's one of those few that you're like, yeah, he's gonna, he's just gonna be a DC guy forever type of thing. Like most of those guys, everyone, you know, jump ship now and again. But he was one that I was like, yeah, he he runs the thing. Like it's like Stan. I mean, I know he did those kind of what if books over there, but Stripper. not really jumping the jumping addresses. All right, I got one last one, but it's really two. And uh, it's to the top of the list, but if you need me to put it a little closer to the middle because of your own (laughs) feelings towards it, I can be convinced. But I personally really enjoyed. And first I read the one title, 
And just recently I read the other title and I didn't realize that they were sister titles the whole time. But should have, because they both came out of the Devil's Reign event. And that was the Punisher title where he was leading the hand as the fist oh, of yeah. the hand. That yeah. was really different and I really found it to be a engaging, interesting book. Well drawn, a lot of action. They had it really connected to the Marvel Universe with Cap showing up and other it it really got to the heart of the hand. It was creepy. It got to the real heart of the Punisher. Um and then the Daredevil book, which was Chip Zarsky's last um, hurrah. It was actually a continuation of his last series, but yeah. because it was had um, Devil's Reign in the middle broken up, they gave it a, another volume. But that post-Devil's Reign book was really cool, too, where Matt Daredevil is the equivalent of the Punisher, but for, like, the anti-hand... And those two stories are happening in concert. And the art by Chichetta was so good. Um, Daredevil with a beard, you got me. Uh, It it worked, totally worked. Um, I don't particularly like where they left Daredevil. (laughs) Um, That's pretty weird. But um, (laughs) it it was a good run. A good run, and it was a good story. It was good comic booking. And it was enough of a taste of that old Electra stick Daredevil yeah. and the hand stuff that Frank Miller brought to us and, and Klaus Jansen without it being really derivative. It was totally its own beast, pun intended. I'll, I'll ask you again, though. What about the angel guy? <laughs> that was so weird that there was like this dude who Matt knew in college who seems like he has some kind of weird, almost like Domino or the Black Cat when she had her bad luck powers. He has the power to make weird... He's the catalyst for stuff happening around that even could be really bad, but it's supposed to be angelically driven to bring Matt to the next place that he needs to be to forge Daredevil into the hero that he has to be. And I think there was enough of room for that, for him to be full of nonsense and delirium that I don't know if it was true or not. And, and you could you could read it and be like, this guy did all this and really affected Matt's life. Or you could read it as this guy's got a screw loose and he just really messed with Matt's head at a time where he is open to suggestion, let's say. Yeah, my my, my least favorite bit of, of that run. Angel yeah. guy. Yeah. I, I read the whole run again, like in two sittings. It's a short run. Um, so I, get, I got to the resolution of that character soon enough. I wasn't left yeah, that, waiting that, months and months. That was probably better because when you're reading it monthly, there was just that one issue where it's like Angel Guy, the whole issue, and then you got to wait a month. And the whole month, I'm just like, what were they thinking? What is going on? Where is this where the title swerves and we're just doing this Angel Guy stuff now? Yep. Yep. 
I get it. Okay, I got some, I got the most controversial thing on this list. Wait, more controversial than you liking Kirby Fantastic Four, Kevin? Way more controversial than that. Nightcrawler's origin. Hmm. They changed it to what I thought it was before Azazel showed up anyways. So when they say, hey, we're changing his origin, I'm like, that's not how his origin was. Like, I don't know what it is between the cartoon and the comics that so so many of us were already predisposed to this idea and somehow we made our own reality where we thought this thing already existed, but then then Azazel shows up in one of the worst runs in X-Men history and then that, there was that whole weird Nightcrawler's father thing and I'm like, wait, what about Mystique and Destiny? And That's why he has a forked tail, Kevin. He is like a devil demon thing. Uh, so I, stupid. You know, tropes i that that's like one of my least favorite tropes because i've seen some of the worst stories you know why sandman has the same hair as norman osborne it's because they're related like as soon as that's your story i'm like i mentally check out every and, time and you know that oh, you know that nightcrawler's inferno that x-men annual where they first delve into nightcrawler's origin is one of my favorite x-men stories and <laughs> so like uh, that's where they first did the thing with him and the gypsies and the the brother that he accidentally killed and that whole bit and Margali caring for him and it's... so I'm gonna put this on the top half of the list. Nightcrawler's origin restored. This controversial take on Nightcrawler's origin. Yeah, it's uh the Sandman one that annual where as a kid he liked playing in the sand i hate those (laughs) ones we're gonna tie whatever it is to their power when it doesn't need Uh, to be i mean i know what they're going for but i'm like you you gotta you gotta really sell that hard you gotta do very well if you're gonna do something like that all right let's wind this thing down here a little uh you got any others kevin that you want to make sure get on the list yeah i I I have uh i have a quick one Go for it. Uh, Immortal Hulk, fifth issue came out. It's shaping up. It's a good time. It's comic book and goodness. Immortal Thor. They say Immortal Hulk? Yes, you, you did. said Immortal Hulk. Ah, uh, Immortal Thor. Jeez. <laughs> yes, That's agreed. Good. Uh, there's hope for this book. I mean, the, the, you had the new Thor core and Thor tricking a guy and some... The Tyrannos, massive battle, nonsense. You know, you forget, like, Thor might not be the smartest, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's been around so long, right? That experience counts for something. You learn stuff through experience, and he's got a certain amount of smarts as to the way things can go and the way he can make things work. Um, and, and how problems can be solved just by having been around for millennia. Yeah. That's one of those things where I'm like, I'm enjoying the book, but I'm like, are we going to take that, like that curve where we're going to, we're going to see where it's going? Like what's going to happen? Like, what's the thing where you're going to go, aha. And it's like, yeah, we'll we'll have that talky issue that was enjoyable. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's good and everything. But what else you got? Like, I feel, feel like the fifth issue was like that issue. 
cool. Any others? And my other thing that would just go on the bottom half is just since we're we're getting a lot more miniseries right now, and it can be like a positive thing, but I mean, sometimes it's been a negative thing. You know, when you the, the difference between the risk reward different thing from if you have an ongoing series or if you have a limited series graphic novels. Like sometimes if you have a limited series, you'd be like, well, I don't need a supporting cast. I mean, I don't need a complicated plot. Not that you always need to in a comic. Like right. you can just, but certain things don't have momentum potentially in a limited series. And I'm like, I've read some more limited series than I used to. So maybe, I mean, people are getting used to writing limited series again. Like sometimes you would just get these like filler, like run of the mill things. But if we're doing more and more of them, I mean, some people, and they're, some like, people don't want to build a world. limited series. Like you better have your supporting cast and all that stuff you might not necessarily throw in there like you might want to change it up from yep. what was done before some people just have a story they don't have a series right you know yeah wanna, that's fine you don't want to lock you know i don't want a world build i just want to tell my story and try to ta make it as close to the marvel universe uh cinematic universe as possible if <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew send us home with a few more for the list all right I'm going to be a little bit counter to Kevin's last one. Uh -oh. I got one last big one. I think it's a great time to be a comic book dilettante like myself. We've talked a lot about the big heavy hitter, long runs, fun stuff. You know, Fantastic Four, X-Men, all the, the pillars. But I feel like Marvel right now is doing a great job at splitting old and new. By new, I mean things of like Edge of Spider-Verse and the voices and that stuff, which uh, the Stormbreaker artists and everything. And so they have these sort of outlets that short stories, things that don't go anywhere, everything that can be kind of fun. I don't know. I just find myself attracted to these weird anthology books that don't have to do anything. But countering that they have tons of old people fan service and i'm also loving <laughs> they do. They do. we've talked about the two rons doing those rebirth books um they brought back like and the senti on that storm book peter david had the joe fix it book like cap wolf um, spider-man 2099 is back uh jm and todd knock on that magneto book uh the the milligan and all red bring so i just feel like they're there's all this stuff if you want to taste that the secret wars book i just talked about all these fun sort of old people throwback books that yeah. aren't aren't really leaning on the current iron man or whatever that stand alone but they're also it's not just all old people stuff they also are balancing it with this the voices and edges but like all the sort of oh we're also going to use new stuff and new people and i feel it's a good now it comes at the cost of Having more long-running series, more, you know, it would be nice to have another uh, Fantastic Four, whatever type of book. I mean, maybe they were sort of doing that. I felt like Scarlet Witch had a good run and Moon Knight's had a lot. Maybe they can build those into things, but maybe those days are also just over. But anyways, I think comic book dilettantes like me are feasting on old and new. I like how they haven't just been milking the old material. Um 
for money in a way where it's on the backs of the old creators, but actually bringing back the old creators yeah. to do yeah. those old style <laughs> books. Yeah. I, I think that's that's uh, yeah, Claremont's back on an X Men. Yeah. So I was whether you're, ask you're loving it or not, like it's just fun to see these people come back and they're kind of siloing them off usually in some sort of harmless look, they're not going to screw up our continuity too bad or we can uh, jump around it or whatever. I was just like, yeah, it's been fun to like, just look at the old names and go like, hey, I like, that's why I got that dumb, uh, the, the, the secret wars book. I saw the names on it and I was like, eh, I gotta, gotta, gotta jump in the time machine. Yeah. I, I expect your review of Matterport Knights based on that one uncanny X-Men issue that everyone talks about. <laughs> That is fondly remembered. And Mark Wade with that Marvel Age 1000. <laughs> yeah, that was fun too. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of crazy, but not being so tied in to every, like not being kind of the anti-event thing where you don't have to buy all the weird tie-in things. I don't, I don't know. know. Every miniseries is, is an event. Eh, well, it also might just be me looking at this year. Maybe this is every year. But it just jumped out of me reviewing what came out this year. All these older creators coming back with these little mini series and everything. I hope it worked out well for them too. Indeed. All right, that is our 2023 Coolometer and year-end wrap-up roundtable extravaganza. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Andrew. As always, another year calendar year at least in the tank upward and onward into 2024 here we go strap in until nothing's cool on our cool meter make mine marvel later